the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. Um, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline 610. We are in the second hour. Let me go to the phone lines. They are filling up and see if we can work this through. Let me go to line two and talk with Marlis in Val- uh, Castro Valley. Marlis, are you there? Marlis going once. Marlis going twice. I'm but, here. Okay. I'm here. Okay. What's going on? What's your comment, question, or observation? My comment is that I believe that you were right about the ice cream and about the man who cut in front of the lady. Okay. All right. Give me a principle because I, I, I feel that I was right. Um, but you know, right being right is not the same as feeling right because I didn't feel right when I was nine, but I totally felt right when I was 56. Well, I thought you were right as a child. In fact, I think that you're the the child. I, I actually believe that, I don't know how to quite put it, but you were instinctively, you instinctively knew it wasn't right. And you didn't even think about it. You just, you just told that young man he was wrong. And that was, that was the right thing to do. Um, I, I don't think it's, it, it, when, you know, you were going to the ice cream bin and you saw him taking it, you couldn't avoid seeing it, and possibly the Lord put you there, even as an unsaved child, uh, to stem back the tide of, of sinfulness. Someone said, a famous senator said that the only thing that's necessary for evil to grow is for good people to sit back and say nothing. Right, but evil will grow if bad people sit back and say nothing. So let me let me actually put some 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 what we would call uh, some sound soteriology on that proposition, which I've heard many many times. You know, they use that that statement, moralis, in po- politics all the time as kind of a cudgel to get you to go out and vote. You know that. So, um, uh, what I did as a young boy basically kind of define my character. This is what me and my, my engineer were just talking about, how that some of us are made and shaped to kind of, at certain moments in our life, have to simply deal with particular injustices and and say something or do something, even if it gets us hurt. Now, this is true whether we are saved or not whether we are God's elect and will become saved or not, whether we never, ever become saved or not. God does this because we all have the Imago Dei and we all have a sense of uh, God's communicable attributes, one of them being righteousness and justice, the other being mercy and compassion. We all have those components operating in us. And so uh, an individual who would never, ever acknowledge that God, um, you know, uh, was the reason or impulse by which that happened still is operating out of what you and I would know is a God-given attribute uh, communicated to us as as human beings. And so we will see those kinds of acts occurring all over the world. 
What they do is they affirm the fact that justice is necessary in a world where we are all sinful. And the law plainly says thou shalt not steal. Uh, And it says thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, which is what the guy was doing a few years ago when he kind of got in front of the, the woman. The other thing about that woman, too. Marlis, I could just look at her and I just knew, I just knew, I just knew she didn't like it, but she just didn't have, she just didn't have it in her to say it to him, sir, you know, and I'm just looking, I'm going, ah, I'll say it. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm wondering what I'm going to be using as an object lesson for the Friday night Bible study. Lord, don't let me have any black. I'm imagining myself because you know, you know me a little bit, Marlis. Um, yeah, I can handle yeah. myself. I can handle myself. All right. So, I, you know, I know what happens uh, when somebody has to come at me. I'm looking at, you know, aisles and garbage cans and <laughs> I, <laughs> right. But I'm still thinking, hey, this dude might have some skill sets. <laughs> when I get to the Bible study, I will look like I've been in a fight. I will have to say, all right, let me explain myself. You guys. <laughs> well, let me say this. And I say this in all seriousness. When a man defends a woman's honor, that's huge. And that man who got in front of her degraded her honor. And I believe, I speak from personal experience, but I believe I can speak for women too. We are hurting very badly because we're not being protected. Yep. From predators at all different levels. Yep, you're right. So I think you did the right thing. Yep, you're, you're, that's, all, that's pretty much all I need to say. Yep, no, and if I have a chance to get into my next topic, which I may or may not, the cruelty of victim blaming and the hope for redemption, which has to really do with the context of women being, um, you know, molested and raped, and then people turning around for political reasons or others. Uh, blaming it on the woman because of the way she dresses and things of that nature. So this is kind of segueing over there, and it's actually affirming your point. Uh, there is a lot of frustration when justice does not quickly come to uh, the rescue of people who have, uh, as a trend in history, uh, been 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 defrauded and taken advantage of. And there, you know, the history of misogyny against our women is unassailable. It's there. So thank you for the call. Let me talk to Deb on line one and uh, and see if she's still there. Deborah, are you there? Yes, sir. So tell me what you think. I think um, uh, years ago when uh, Terry. Um, we were at the fire station, and, and um, we were standing up against the uh, people who were for uh, uh, handling the, um, you know, when it was um, impossible for people not to stand up in, in groups and defend uh, the right. Um, um, I stood up and said, I'm going to. And I was knocked to the ground. My wheelchair was on the ground. And they had police women and policemen there. Uh-huh. And the policeman saw me on the ground. Um, and he pulled, pulled me upright, stopped the demonstration, and brought me. He said, why? And he was crying. He said, why did you do that? You could have been killed. Right. I said, because it was the right thing to do. Yep. 
right? So you you know where we're going in our topic tonight around the importance of character and commitment to principles of justice, even if well, uh, Marlis affirmed that it was the right thing to do. I'm affirming that what you went through is the right thing to do, um, but it just it doesn't feel right when 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 you get um, when you get assaulted, does it? it doesn't no. feel right. It doesn't a, feel a so. Character is what it's all about. What's that? Character is what it's all about. Character is what, what it's all about, as well as knowing that right is not about how it feels. Right is about how it is. Yes. Yep, and we got to keep keep pressing on that way in the way we think, in the way we communicate, in the way we interact, and in the way we hope because our world is getting worse on a ton of levels, and we have to believe in the uh, intervention of a God who is able to fix things in a way that brings about justice and righteousness. And uh, you keep on keeping on, young lady. Thank you for contributing to the dialogue of uh, suffering for righteousness sake, because that uh, that's the way it goes down. Thank you for the call. Let me talk to Dan on line number seven uh, before I take a break. Dan, are you at uh, line number seven, line number four? Dan, are you there? I wanted to mention here in the context is about being soft spoken. Okay. Because I know this lady, she may have a complaint about me, but if she brings something up, depending on the tone, then she said, if I raise my voice back to her about this whole situation, then what she said, without making a statement, she, she said, no, you're making a statement to me that I'm a bug and I should go away. It's my way or the highway, and so we cannot talk about it. And um, I said, this is not words that I said, but she said it's in the tone. So what I said, um, I want to ask God what the triggers are for this, for escalating a conversation when uh, the whole conversation could be made in the context of being soft-spoken with mm-hmm. the tone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, we're talking about, let's say, I'm walking through a crowd, you step on my foot, I back up a little bit, Somebody else goes in front of me, and then I'm following you, and I said to you, uh, you just step on my toe. But I could say that in a soft-spoken manner, or I could say, hey, Pastor Zassi, you know. So, right, um, right. So, you know, um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, um, men, I think one of the factors don't multitask very well. So if there's two or three things going on, and uh, there's a situation, and like you said, well, take it back to that one when you were in the store and you were looking at the garbage can, which way is my out escape route? Right. And this guy's here, and this woman's standing here, and I want to say this. Let's talk about how you kept your tone soft when you addressed them. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and what you're talking about now is attitude. So let me set a couple of principles there. They are not axiomatic, by the way. I'm, I'm glad we got class going on now. So they are not axiomatic. Let me see if I can help you guys with this. Um, let's say, Dan, that that individual. Well, you know what, Dan? Hold on. I'm going to take a break, pay some bills. When I come back, we're going to unpack that at the attitudinal level. We have already talked about the practical dynamics of what's right and how to do it, when it's time to do it, even if you suffer for it. Now we're going to talk about the attitudinal side. Now, the attitudinal side, attitudinal side. 
is really complex because in our present world of emotionally centered people, they hijack that too. So we have to be careful. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back. The time 626. And we are talking with Dan on line four about um, engaging in dialogue and conversation with people that can escalate into uh, verbal assault, if not more. And, and, you know, kind of framing it around escalation. And that's really what we're talking about. So, Dan, what I said before the break was, and I'm, I'm very exercised in this aspect of our, our conversation because I know it to be true, that there are people who will hijack the whole uh, culture of emotionalism and basically pin you down by asserting that you have no right to field or express or articulate your sense of uh, of of being defrauded um, because in their estimation your emotional tone was not right. There's nothing in the universe that would allow that to be a principle, a prevailing principle in in injustice. Nothing in the universe that would say you are only right if you have the appropriate emotional tone uh, accompanying your words. Nothing in the universe, in God's universe, would justify that logic. Now, having said that, you and I know that tonation can be a tool of influence when what we have stated is on its own merits right. So if I say, uh, Dan... You stepped on my toes, dude. If that's what you did, whether intentionally or accidentally, it's what you did. You're culpable for that. You may not like the tone with which I brought it, but the tone with which I brought it did not mitigate, disannul, or otherwise uh, deny or abrogate the facts. The facts are the facts, no matter what the tone. Now, having said that, You know what Solomon says, Dan, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath. A soft answer turneth away wrath. That's Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. But grievous words stir up anger. So, and and as it says in another place in the Proverbs, through long forbearance is a prince persuaded. And then Solomon, the same Solomon said in Ecclesiastes around chapter five, be careful how you express yourself when you come into the presence of a ruler. Obviously, it's going to be context. This individual that you're talking about, the female, was she in a place of authority, power, uh, control over something that you had or needed by which she could feel uh, that she had the superior edge by which she mandated a particular tone or expression on your part? Um, I went to visit her at her house, and uh, she would ask me, for example, um, uh, discuss something, and I would be in the process of discussing what we were on the topic of discussion that she asked me to, she raised it and asked me to discuss this. Okay. And uh, if it would get past, uh, you know, sundown, and then it would say, uh, there's a neighbor, she would say, 
oh, you know, you need to be quiet and answer me quietly because the neighbor is going to get upset. So, okay, fine. I'll just tone it down a little bit right? before I'm going to go. But, but then um, to add on to what I said before the break, it's not just saying that it feels like there's a bug there and I am going, it's my way or the highway, but going beyond to say, now this bug, my intention is to squash you. You know, I'm going to roll right over the top of you because you're a bug and I'm superior to you. But uh, I could, you know, you can make the statement. I don't intend to do anything bad to you. I don't want to make you feel bad. I'm hoping I'm behaving that way in this conversation toward you and the callers and the listeners to the show. Right. But the question was, what is the trigger for raising the tone? Those are three, four different proverbs that directly address it. So, you know, if you just have a question come up, you don't always have to scream your answer to the question. Um, without a doubt. And, 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 and without a doubt, <laughs> I, I agree with you. But here's what I w- would want to uh, ask you. If, if you like, if, for instance, Dan, you are really already, if you're just proffering the, the subject matter just for open discourse, or if you already have the answer to it, all I'm saying is this. The the ethical uh, request that Dan would use a, a measure of sensitivity when you begin to answer the question for the lady is appropriate. That would be certainly appropriate, but it does not necessarily uh, 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 merit that in terms of whether or not what you say is right or true or necessary. And therefore, is the issue about what's right, true, or necessary, or is the issue about how she feels about the way you said it? Are you there? Okay, we dropped. So that's okay. Good. So I'll say this because you guys are not. I got other callers, and I'm sure they'll be able to get in on this here in a moment. You guys know, and I've got ladies there too, so they can affirm me. If you are not in the right way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and an individual tells you the truth, you may obfuscate the truth, obfuscate the truth by saying, I didn't like the way you said that. And maybe they didn't say it in a way that was pleasing to you. Doesn't change the fact that what they were saying is the truth. And can you also affirm this, ladies and gentlemen? Got one line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Since Dan brought up the subject of us, you know, needing to think about provocation because that's where he's going. You can provoke provoke people. You can be loud. You can be boisterous. You can be insensitive and provoke people to where they can't hear the right that you are bringing because of the emotional discontinuity of the manner in which you brought it. I got that. I'm sure you do too. But given the culture we are in. It works in both ways. I'm looking forward to someone affirming that, that one can be so caught up in merely an emotional control factor that it allows them to avoid the responsibility of what is right and what is true. If you don't say it the right way, I'm not going to receive what you're saying. Well, that can be very, 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 very dangerous in a world where um, there are consequences to not just only how you see it, but what's said. If, if the truth needs to be said and it's going to hurt, because sometimes truth hurts. doesn't matter whether you add the insult of a bad uh, uh, emotional uh, sort of fervor behind it or if you say it with the, with the most gracious of words. For instance, 
um, we are dealing with our Lord's proposition in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, 29 and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find that I am meek and lowly. And you'll find rest to yourself, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're going to unpack that more fully this Sunday. What does it mean to actually know what Christ's yoke is in terms of its character? But I think all of you would agree with me that Christ was meek and lowly. And therefore, he exercised complete propriety of emotions in connection with the tone of his words whenever he spoke to someone. Would you agree with that? Amen, amen, for everyone who knows that the Son of God is impeccable in his character. And yet he was reviled. He was scandalized. He was persecuted, hated. A lot of people were offended by him. So we have to be very careful that we definitely want to be able to employ proper tone. Here's another thing before I go to the phone line. Did you know the proverb says an angry continence turns back a backbiting tongue? Did you know that, Dan, that sometimes people will have a disposition of really trying to provoke you because they will not have approved of your tone when, in fact, what they really are disapproving of is your content. And sometimes an angry continence can stop the hypocrisy of words that really are not conveying the ultimate motive of the heart that a person is um, hiding when they say, your tone needs to be right, your tone needs to be right. I can't hear you unless your tone is right. See, you got to bring it down more, bring it down more. And they can set the bar so high in terms of what kind of emotional mandate you need to have to where you fail all the time. This happens in marriages a lot. So you want to really be careful about making the emotional content the king of discussion. It should be a handmaiden to what's right. It should not be the king, monarch, or queen. It should be a handmaiden to what's right. Certainly, we want to try to be tonationally appropriate. I was with the gentleman that was in the store. Follow this now. I, I, I said, hey, sir, you, you know, you, I don't know, but you stepped in front of that woman. His offense with me was not my emotional tone. Can I be honest with you? It was because I was black. And there was a deep intrinsic animosity and hatred on the part of this Latino gentleman when he looked at me. He pierced through me saying with every fiber in his being, who in the are you uh, to tell me what to do in this situation? And he could not overcome it. It was so glaringly obvious. I said, oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Let me go to line number um, uh, number three and talk with Vic in Oakland. Vic, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. What's your question, comment, or observation to our story, to our topic? Um, my observation, I was actually laughing when you said because you were black, because this is sad. Um, things just become racial when, you know, there's an upset with words or you had... You know, of course, you you did right by letting him know, uh, sir, uh, the lady was there before you. And I don't know if he was saved or not. Of course, you are one of the leading pastors of a church. And so you tried to tell him what was right in the most, you know, kind and loving way. And he showed you every earthly thing and then probably threw in the... uh, Quite a bit. 
Yeah, and probably threw in everything about color, so it became racial because he didn't know how to handle uh, the truth of you uh, letting him know what went down, that he, he cut through in the line. And so um, you actually did well because you're like, oh, well, I'm glad he spoke in his language, although I'm sure you picked up and, and wanted to say gracias. No, no gracias to that. You know, because really you wanted to say, let's hear bro. Let's make our words few so I don't get in trouble with you. But Agreed. You, you held your ground and you stayed in your royal priesthood calling of being holy before the Lord. I didn't say your insides were like, brother, back in the day, it ain't going to be what was taken in the, the store with the little boy. But And that guy, the way you were talking, he had an enormous build. So that yes. also can play a part in, um, yep. in communication and the tone of the voice yep. and just yep. the eyes. So everything has its uh, attack of the unforeseen forces but you knew what it was it was an attack of your safety her safety over an uncontrolled angered person that could become violent not realizing the little girl had more wisdom in her than her daddy because the little girl was saying daddy stop yep and you know but yet it could be an indelible moment for that girl to feel dang- in danger with fear because um, little kids pick up cotton, tot or whatever. They pick that up for life, and yep, we don't true. realize that our little children, you know, the words, there's power of life and death in the words yep. that we use and all the mannerisms of how we look, our build and everything, and then the culture shock of just throwing in a... a and, and degrading one another because of color, my yep. gosh. And yep. so yep. in that manner, that little girl is being taught that, is being ingrained in her mindset, and it's, it could be a lockdown thing, depending how that little girl could handle the attack of fear and, and unsafeness, and it may cause her to be prejudiced. So our little children are watching the adults, you know, um, like like in the ring, you know, uh, uh, fight to the death, you know, and words. I mean, my gosh, it, that can cause more killing, slaughter, assassination character than a hand slapping the one cheek and then the next cheek. Because, like I say, the, the words and the mannerisms of everything, you can't take that back at times, especially with strangers. So you actually held yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit by not flying back on him and saying, well, look here, bro, here's here's what Jesse, you know what I'm saying, God's for you, but no, you, you actually were the light in the dark, but at least, you know, you, you knew to be able to bring this out into the air so people can hear that it take somebody to remain calm in order for something not to happen. Of course, you have to be sober and alert at all times watching uh, the area but, uh, of your surroundings, but it takes one person to be led by God to keep this to a minimum uh, because we're accountable for every idle word. So you, you go ahead. I, I, I went rambling. No, you didn't. you didn't. You, you talked at length, but you didn't ramble. You were... Oh. You talked at length, but you didn't ramble. You were absolutely clear, and you covered all the bases. 
Um, you did a great job of, of assessing the totality of it, and you are correct. Uh, I think those of us who walk with the Lord, we certainly know that the times when we are in the spirit, uh, particularly in precarious and dangerous times, and how God himself <clears throat> keeps a lid on evil that wants to break out and wreak havoc. And certainly that's what he did. He had done. He graced me to hold my peace. I wasn't raging on the inside. I, I know right. what that's like. He's taught me over the years to be much more a man of meekness because I grew up in the hood. I know what it's like to go off. And that does not honor God in this dimension in which we walk. You are absolutely right. His daughter was embarrassed. She was confused. She was troubled by her dad going off the way he did. And I thought, I, I wonder, does this young girl have to put up with this a lot with her dad? Uh, mm-hmm. And you are right in all of the implications that you drew out of this. And uh, that's the lesson we want to get. And as well as you gave the application, we do need to think about how we say it, what we say, when we say, um, if we can remember that they all play a role in communicating effectively what we need to. And that at times, even if we do say the right thing the right way with the right motive and right intentions, uh, the adversary will take his shots in spite of it. As I said, Christ was perfect every time he spoke with the right attitude, tonation and everything, because... He spoke from the heart of a perfectly righteous man, and yet it it raised the ire and created hostility, provocation, and debates among those that are walking in darkness. And the believer has to be able to be careful to know how to engage those, hopefully not too frequent kinds of conflicts that come our way. But I'm enjoying our conversation, and I'm very glad you call and, uh, and, and contributed to the assessment of it. All your points were good, young lady. Thank you for the call. Um, let me see here. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'll deal with my last two two callers on lines one and two. You guys hold on. one one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to get back in, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back, closing out on this topic. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host Jesse Gistan. I'm here by the grace of God. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're about to get at it here. Um, Gary Matar, pastor of Faith Fellowship, is having a men's breakfast this Saturday. I got this on my website. Uh, position to win. If you guys want some pancakes and <laughs> I don't know if they got French toast there, but I'm looking at the image. You got they're going to have <laughs> eggs and sausage and bacon. I love a good breakfast. Um, men's breakfast this Saturday. Pastor Gary is bringing a powerful message for all men through Christ. We are positioned to win. Great topic. Um, so if you're not doing anything uh, on this Saturday and you want to get together with a bunch of men and uh, and get into the presence of the Lord and talk about uh, the things that make for growing as men in Christ, uh, you guys might uh, head on out to Faith Fellowship. Um, it'll be a good time there on this Saturday. So um, um, I encourage you, if you're not doing anything, you might find the Lord will meet you there. Let's see here. Let me go uh, in a timely fashion to line number two and talk with Chana. Chana, are you there? Yes. Hello, Pastor Jesse. How are you? Good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Um, So we're going to be having this Saturday at our church, 
um, our Revelation Bible Ministry, which is a phenomenal ministry by which we actually um, facilitate the needs of our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated with uh, personal Bibles, um, with their names on them, engraved on them, uh, and cared about and in a loving way with a marvelous team of helpers to um, to get Bibles into the hands of, of uh, hungry men and women in, in that are incarcerated here in the Bay Area. Um, so how would you how, what, what, how would you want to help get our audience interested in coming out on this Saturday to help us, uh, Chena? Well, actually, uh, you were saying in the Bay Area, but it's actually um, most of California and other states as well. There's Texas, Arizona, okay. Massachusetts, you know, I mean, for sure. Um, but actually, if it's okay, uh, thank you for the introduction. And I have this very short letter, who I, the, which I think will help people to get a heart for the ministry and actually understand mm-hmm. um, the testimonies of the men and women who are receiving these Bibles, because we have so many Bibles on our shelves, and we have so many opportunities to pray, but we don't always take that. And so this, this gentleman, Victor, he is the perfect testimony. Is it okay if I share that real quick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. It says, yep. Hello, all. Blessings to you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May he be with you all. My name is Victor, and I go to church here in the yard, where 75% of those here have the Bibles from your ministry, which are especially beautiful. I am asking for one of your beautiful and wonderful Bibles with my name on it. The Bibles that do not have names on it, the officials here throw them away at times. For this reason, I am asking for a Bible with my name on it. I do not have any money, but I have two knees and a mouth to pray for you guys with, seeking the Lord Jesus, that he would multiply your efforts 100,000%. I have a Bible, but it is very old, as I received it six years ago while in county jail. If I get one from you, I will be very grateful for the rest of my life. I am from Guatemala and have an immigration hold. I was not a believer until I entered county jail. Then I became a believer, and I promised to serve him the rest of my life. Many, many thanks, Victor. And Excellent. so Excellent. Yeah. We have, yeah. It's we, so touching. We get many letters like that, don't we? We do. This this one gentleman, you know, there's just certain the letters that um, minister to me personally for whatever reason. And this one gentleman, he sent a letter last year, and basically two years prior to that, he had gone to a holiday party with his wife. He was saying that he was a, you know, a, vet, a Vietnam vet, and that he was very dedicated to help the other vets, and he was—he sounded like a very a man who truly cared about people. Mm-hmm. And he didn't talk about children, but he talked about his wife. And him and his wife had gone to this holiday party, and they had had a couple of cocktails, and drove home. And he had a motorcycle. And he was in an accident, and his wife died. Mm-hmm. And he was—he had, you know, now he has—he um, was manslaughter. He's in jail. Yeah, for manslaughter. Six years. Yep. Yeah, and, and my my heart sank when I read his letter because I'm thinking, here's, you know, it was because of the timing of his letter, it was the holidays again. And here I'm thinking, he's in prison. He's dealing with this major amount of just grieving his wife, the shame and the guilt that it was at his, you know, his responsibility that he didn't get her home safe. And it just breaks my heart. Yep. And it's like, but thank God he's asking us for a Bible and not a Koran or you know, a Book of Mormon, or who knows? Because many of the inmates do ask for other literature, such as the Koran and so forth, and I'm like, well, thank God they wrote us, and they're going to get a Bible, and God willing, they'll read them. And thank God, by God's grace, 
there's been over 10,000 Bibles shipped to prisons since 2014. Mm-hmm. And it's good. only by God's grace. Now. And that's just the ones to prison, and, and that's just the ones that we kept good records of. I mean, because at the beginning, we didn't keep good records. We were just, China, you know, China, China, China. Yes. You're going down a path we don't need to. Okay. That's personal business. Got it. Thank you. Right. So now let's just talk quickly to our loving audience about what we need. We need right. we need helpers. Yes. Well, in a sense, we do. In a sense, we do. We would love for at the moment, me and China, uh, China gets off the line that you would think about what can I do this Saturday morning to actually facilitate blessing incarcerated men and women who really are coming to a real uh, authentic and genuine hope in Christ. Uh, and they, they need a, a Bible, a personal Bible. And we we have quality Bibles. We don't give them cheap Bibles. They're quality Bibles. But right. what can you do? We What we want you to do is to wake up Saturday morning and say, Lord, give me the grace to get down to Hayward to Grace Bible Church in Hayward and join a group of men and women who have a great time uh, talking, conversating, and putting Bibles together to ship out by about noon uh, at 1 o'clock. And, and we don't care how long you uh, stay. We don't care when you come. We'd love to have you er- the earlier, the better. But we would love for you to visit with us and join in us. join with us in this task of getting Bibles out. And if the Lord lays it on your heart, ladies and gentlemen, um, to get about that task, obey him, because the blessings that come out of just a little bit of labor for Christ's sake have eternal significance behind them. We would love to have you. This is not about denominations and and and, and, and nothing like that. If, if you just want to right. serve, you can come out and serve. It's a great atmosphere. We feed you. Um, we make sure you are well taken yes. care of. And it's a totally great atmosphere. Uh, and China's a great leader in this, in this project. And uh, we're just wanting to remind our brothers and sisters, if you are not serving God in any way um, on Saturday morning, this October 27th, Uh, Come on down to Grace Bible Church in Hayward and join us in being blessed. As Christ said, it is more blessed to to give than to receive. And we really believe that. And we would love for you to join us. All right, girl, I'll see you on Saturday. All right, Lord willing. All right, let me do one more before we close. Let me go to line one and talk to Leslie in in the peninsula. Leslie, are you there? Leslie on line one. Is Leslie there? Les- yes. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Hi. Hi, Pastor Jesse. I know we're out of time. I'll take my uh, question off there. It's more of an observation. I would love to know your thoughts. But mm-hmm. um, I'm noticing that when I have discussions with some Christian women, there's a tinge of anger when there's a discussion around women in the pulpit, women in ministry, uh-huh. women in, particularly in pastoral shift. And uh, I'm aligning it with the interesting timing of the Me Too movement and different discussions that are happening in other conversations with women. But so when that comes up around p- women as pastors, there seems to be an edge. Yeah. Um, I can't have quiet conversations right. with women around this. So I, I just wanted to know your take as a pastor with this. I did talk with one uh, pastor about that because uh, I was concerned the church number, uh, growing number of pastors 
that are women, and uh, they come from an egalitarian uh, standpoint. I'm very unfamiliar with that. So I'm going to just shut up here, and any insight you have would be great because I'm confused. Um, Don't be confused. Um, It's just that we do what we want to do in spite of what the Bible says. It's a big issue, and they, they, you know, the egalitarian, let's say, um, uh, would bore deep down into arguments that really don't deal with the text at hand. The most difficult text is 1 Timothy chapter 2. A sound exegetical development of that and exposition of that would render their argument um, just unacceptable. But when has folks, you know, did what the Bible said just because it said it? So, yeah, it has a lot of issues, a lot of tentacles connected to it. Um, and the trajectory of our present culture is moving away from a patriarchal model. And as such, um, the boldness to want to do what the Bible explicitly says not do um, has prevailed in our culture. And, yeah, anger is a fuel that will allow you to do anything you want to do in the name of uh vengeance or correction or um, equality and and a bunch of things like that. So maybe in the future we'll do a little bit more of a a development around that. Yes, it's prevailing, but the the Bible said it. Isaiah chapter 3, women will rule over you uh, and children will be your oppressors. Um, But for the faithful, the just shall live by faith, will obey the word of God and will do what God says and uh, will let the chips fall where they may. The Lord bless you for staying in your place and walking in your balance as well as as all of you women out there who are doing the same. Women can preach. It just can't be pastors. Until next time, God bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.